Good evening. It's Thursday night. I'm Rick Dancer and welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. We are so glad you're here. We've got a great show for you tonight. Uh, tonight's night, Kim Stark joins us to tell us some of the things going on this weekend. We're going to talk to some folks over at the Jazz Station to find out what's online in the music world uh, in the downtown area of Eugene this weekend and some other events going on. Um, we're also going to be talking to the Fun Doctors. Um, they have their own podcast. And I interviewed with them last week about prostate cancer because November's prostate cancer awareness. And uh, so they said, hey, what if we turn the tables and we'll interview you? So that's going to be later in the show. We're going to talk about my prostate cancer and also what that means and what guys should be watching out for. Um, our sponsors tonight are Chris Dental and also Alvord Taylor. Now, Alvord Taylor is an agency in town that does the most amazing work with people with different abilities. They have 15 homes and they support something like 60 people. And uh, they're always looking for help. Um, and if you want a job that's super rewarding and really makes a difference in someone's life, um, I'm gonna put this up here. There's a, they're add their information. This is how you get to them. Uh, that's their website. Check in with them. I also have a phone number streaming along here. Uh, they are a wonderful organization. They work to, to mainstream people in the disabilities community um, so that they can uh, participate and be living with us so we can learn with, from them and they can learn from us. And, uh, but they do need staff. Um, like everybody, we're all hurting for staff and they need people working. So um, they're sponsoring our show tonight. And also Chris Dental is sponsoring a All I Want for Christmas is my One Front Tooth contest. It's not really a contest, but if, if you're someone who's lost a tooth, now we don't want it completely removed because we can't do a root canal, that's way too expensive. But if you have one that's broken or you have one tooth on the front that's just not right or has died for some reason, we want to give you a new tooth. We're going to pick one winner. You send us an email to rick at rickdancer.com and we're going to select a winner by the 22nd of February or of uh, Thanksgiving time of November. And then we're going to pick a winner. You'll get your new tooth by Christmas time. So again, it can't be one that's just completely missing. It has to have something there that we can attach to and we're going to fix you up and give you your smile back for Christmas. So that's courtesy of Chris Dental. Uh, Dr. Michael Bratlin. And right now we're going to get on with our show. Um, Dr. Bratlin sponsors our newscast with uh, Bill London from KPNW. So let's roll the open and get going on the show. Here we go. Puts up with this. That's what I don't understand. From the 1120 AM and 93.7 FM, KPNW Studios, I'm Bill London. And look at you. <laughs> Sarah, look at that introduction. Isn't Rick you such a charmer? <laughs> That we had a sketch artist do a drawing. Um, tonight on our show, we're going to have music therapy has been shown to release. It's time now for Rick. Hey guys, don't you think it's kind of fun that you get to comment on the news? There's a cost. Oh yeah, there's a cost. People come after you. Like, I think that's why this is so much fun. Now it's time to get real. Said now it's time to get real. I mean, really real. It's a big dose of really real real. I'll see you at five. 
Ding Ding from the News Radio 1120 AM and 93.7 FM KPNW Studios. I'm Bill London. Hola. All right. So first off, we've got more rain that is going to be coming through the area tonight. We still have some flood warnings throughout the Willamette Valley. So that's generally going to be in some of the outlying areas, smaller tributaries that may end up over the road. If you've lived here in Oregon any length of time, you kind of know where those areas are at. So be careful. Also of concern is debris flows. The National Weather Service again sending out a cautionary warning saying to be careful in those areas where things burned badly in the 2020 Labor Day wildfires like the Holiday Farm Fire, the Beachy Creek and Lion's Heads fires. Essentially, if you're going to be going on Highway 20, 22, 126, heading over to the Cascades, watch out for debris flows, also known as mudslides, also known as giant boulders in the middle of the road. Just be careful. All right, so law enforcement made a little bit of a bust after they pulled over a U-Haul truck near Albany. A detective from the Lynn Interagency Narcotics Enforcement Team was following a U-Haul truck on I-5, and he noticed the telltale smell of marijuana that seemed to be coming from the truck. So he coordinated with other law enforcement. They pulled over the truck. The two men inside the truck claimed that, well, they were carrying furniture, and the smell was coming from the driver's T-shirt. Well, they opened the truck up, and it turned out that the smell wasn't the driver's t-shirt. The smell was 2,800 pounds of marijuana in 70 large garbage bags. Total market value, $2.2 million. And remember when we were told, well, legalizing recreational pot in Oregon is going to take the black market completely out of it. Yeah, okay. Whatever you say. We told you about Pulitzer Prize winning New York Times journalist Nicholas Kristof and his bid to become governor in Oregon after saying, well, he grew up in Oregon in Yamhill County, even though he's lived in New York for years, voted in New York elections for years, and that he'd taken in more than a million dollars in campaign donations from people like fashion designer Diane von Furstenberg, Angelina Jolie, Melinda Gates. Well, not everybody really is going to be happy to see him run, including, and what's interesting about this is not only who the criticism is coming from, but the possibility of something that could be coming to the ballot. Sex workers in Oregon say they fear a Kristoff governorship and what it could mean for their safety and rights in the workplace. Now, L. Stanger, the co-chair of the Oregon Sex Workers Committee, says as governor in a state where a lot of the economy has to do with adult entertainment, I didn't realize we had more than other places. She said, I'm afraid he would try to overregulate or punish any of the existing businesses and also prevent progress being made, such as decriminalization. She went on to say, so I'm afraid of more archaic sex negative attitudes and putative measures against consensual workers and therefore a waste of resources for those truly in need. Now, Kristoff's previous occupation has given columnists and skeptics and potential voters plenty of published opinions to go over. And among his most vocal critics are the sex workers who say his policy prescriptions are outdated and harmful. And their criticism could resonate in Oregon in particular because advocates are planning on introducing a ballot 
that would decriminalize sex work in Oregon as soon as next year, in other words, meaning legalized prostitution. One of the chief criticisms of Kristoff's reporting on the sex trade is that they say he conflates consensual sex work between adults with human trafficking. Kristoff in an interview said, well, obviously not all sex work is trafficking. Trafficking is about coercion or kids under 18. Clearly there are differences. He said, clearly there is some consensual sex work. And I just got to say, this next gubernatorial election is going to be really interesting. The Newburgh School Board, which recently tried to ban teachers from displaying items that would be political in nature, in particular things like Black Lives Matter symbols, abruptly fired their school superintendent, upsetting board members who opposed the move. The escalating disputes on the board come as schools nationwide have become battlegrounds with arguments over vaccine and mask mandates, blatant political indoctrination in teaching, instruction related to sexuality, and general neutral bathrooms. Well, after Superintendent Joe Morlock was fired in a Zoom meeting this week, board member Rebecca Piros, one of three who opposed his firing, told him she was sorry. Morlock replied, just remember from the darkest dark comes the brightest light, so everything will eventually work out. Well, a number of residents in Newburgh erected signs quoting Morlock's reply to Piros. Newburgh Equity and Education, a group of composed mostly of parents who opposed the school board's recent clampdown on political indoctrination, had a demonstration at the school district office today. The four board members offered no explanation as to why they summarily fired Morlock, giving him 10 days left on his job. The teachers union in Newburgh has denounced Morlock's termination as, quote, yet another example of a board majority bringing instability to our schools. The Newburgh Education Association Union has already filed a lawsuit over a policy passed by school board members that limits all political or controversial signs. The union argues the policy violates the U.S. Constitution's First Amendment protection of free speech and the 14th Amendment guaranteeing equal protection. Well, have fun with all of that. And you have a great weekend. I'll see you Monday. In the meantime, here he is, Mr. Alliterative or however you pronounce that. It's Rick getting real, <laughs> real Rick, Ricky real. Get real, Richard. Ricky real? That's that's my, Kim, that sounds, Ricky real. He's getting some newer names each time. I'm not sure which is my favorite yet. Let me think about yeah. that. So, so you know that story about the guy from New York who's running for governor? So the good news is when I move to Montana, I can still run for governor in Oregon if I oh. wanted to. That's right. But That's right. So it won't be a problem. Sponsors, <laughs> you know who one of his sponsors is? One of his uh, funders who gave him $5,000? Angelina Jolie. No. No, he seriously, he had it on last night. He's raised a mil almost a million dollars from all out-of-state people. <laughs> wow. Wow. When I had out-of-state money come in when I ran for Secretary of State, I got chastised by the media. Yeah. But now like it's that. okay. <laughs> now it's okay all of a sudden. Hey, Kim Sark joins us now to talk a little bit about what is going on around the area tonight and this weekend. And mm -hmm. so I'm going yes. to flip it right over to you and I'll keep you going. 
Okay, flip it right on over. Happy Veterans Day, everybody. We've got some fun events this weekend, and we're going to start off with a Veterans Day themed. Um, well, we're, we're going to get to that in a minute, but we are going to talk about jazz music right now. So any of you music lovers out there, you're going to want to pay attention because we've got some fun stuff coming up. The Jazz Station has some uh, a great lineup, and um, we are actually going to talk to Nils Miller from the Jazz Station right now, and he's going to tell us, look at that great background. Welcome to the show, Nils. Can you tell us, first of all, what's going on tonight, and then what, what can we look for this weekend out there? Sure. Hey, uh, we have, tonight we have Joe Manis, who's from uh, a, a great local player from Dexter, Oregon, who grew up yeah. here and went to the University of Oregon. And he's, uh, you know, he tours internationally. He's a well-known guy, plays a lot in Portland, up and down the West Coast. And fun fact, he actually opened the club uh, in our current location in 2011. He was on the opening ticket that night. That so is so ironic. Saxophonist, and he's playing with a small trio. Unfortunately, oh, good. we're sold out for the evening for, for now. Right, uh, right. Now that's because you're at, um, is it what capacity? Are you half? Is that what? So we're currently occupied, you know, we, we're running at half capacity for our, for our ticket sales. Normally we can host uh, 70 people and, you know, because of uh, the current, current situation, we're limiting it to 35. Uh, one of the reasons is we're an all volunteer run organization, except for a couple of key people who are paid to help run the shows, the events. Uh, so some, a lot of our volunteers are, um, you know, tend to be older and, and often uh, you know, they, they appreciate being at the half capacity for, for having a little bit more space in the venue right now. Right. And speaking of your space, tell us about that because you guys have done some revamping during COVID and it looks really nice behind you. Yeah, it wasn't really, I mean, we had plans to put in carpet, but you know, COVID hit and we didn't really have going, anything going on. So we decided to put in a bar and some <laughs> beer taps and you know, paint the entire place over and redo all of the branding. And so, you know, we, we have a lot of people with a lot of energy and, and they just don't, uh, they, 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 you know, they, they couldn't put it down during COVID. So. Right. Right. Tell us about, so what, what makes the jazz station so unique? What, what do you, what would you say makes it so fun and enjoyable for people, especially right now when we need music in our lives? Well, I'd say that the, the community of people that that work here and volunteer are really great. There's there's a small there's a core group of people who give a lot of time and energy to help uh, run the place. And, you know, it's so it's it's a very positive experience when you come in and, and you know, and and you feel like the guy who's running the sound is a professional, but he's also volunteering his time to help out to, you know, because he loves the music or she loves mm -hmm. the music, whoever it is that's running that. And. I do see someone asking, how do we follow? And right. I would, so I happen, also happen to be, uh, oh, geez, I write a newsletter that goes out to 2,500 people every week. <laughs> and well, I'm a booking you. manager. <laughs> I play Sunday jams. I'm a bass player. So, you know, we, we all have many hats that we wear. So I would say if you want to follow us, my newsletter that comes out, if you go to the website, you can subscribe to the newsletter and that'll keep you, or you can just look at the newsletter, look at the website and you'll find out what events are on tap for the week. But the newsletter gives you a little more context of how the music, you know, why you might find it interesting. Cause you know, jazz can be, we go everything from tonight who the Joe Manis is, he's a pretty uh, serious jazz guy. You know, you're, you're not going to necessarily hum along with his tunes, but you know, <laughs> I, I played with Paul Biondi here recently and, and, you know, we, 
we played a lot of songs that you could you would you would know very well you know all the names uh-huh. of those and so it's it's a very broad you know jazz encompasses a lot of different music that sometimes can be you know a little bit challenging but a lot of times it's very <laughs> much you know like let's let's have a beer and, and have a you know and, and and enjoy the enjoy the music in fact next week we're having Laronda Steele who's coming down from Portland and she's okay. a, she's a, a, a blues musician who was on the blues jazz thing so Oh, and okay, the web- great. Thank you. It's thejazzstation.org. Yeah, yeah. And we'll put it up there, Ellen, too. We'll have it on here. Um, I usually post these in the comment section so that people can look and go right to you there. And you said tonight sold out. Um, still room for some of the shows this weekend? So tomorrow night, there are a couple of tickets that are so left. Tomorrow night, we're having students from the University of Oregon playing in their student combos along with a guest artist who just happens to be from Eugene, who is now living in Portland, uh, Chris Shuttleworth, great trombone player, young guy. And then on Saturday, we are having Wes Georgiev. There's still tickets available for that. Uh, And he's another young guy from Eugene. (laughs) Eugene and Springfield, we grow a lot of jazz people. Willamette High School, South High School. They, you know, we we put out quite a few people who are, you know, who right. Who knew? Do it professionally. Jazzy place. <laughs> I love it. Well, Chris George that's on Saturday night. He's a junior at Portland State, and he's going to be okay. bringing down his band with with some University of Oregon graduates, and uh, should be a great show. Super fun. Thanks so much. Yeah, it sounds like such a great way to get out and enjoy, and just have just have fun. Forget about your worries for a while and listen to some jazz. So thanks for joining us, Nils. <clears throat> and we will put that website up there. So um, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> great. Thank you. All right. And there's other events, too, um, going on this weekend, you guys. And, and again, I will put these links up there. But um, another thing is, and Rick, I don't know if your boys went here. I forgot to ask you. But Camp Harlow is holding an open house. They have a brand new building. And on Sunday, November 14th, they're going to host an open house there from 10 to 3. Right now, there it's at 3850 County Farm Road. For those of you who don't know where Camp Harlow is. Um, just a gorgeous new building to kind of celebrate. So that'll be super fun for for those of you who have been, been involved there with your kiddos over the years. And then Level 32 Racing. Um, for Veterans Day, actually, they have a turkey trot coming up. Um, you can register for this. They're, they're having a deal where you can register a child 12 and under for free with a registered adult. So check them out at Level 32 Racing because they have some runs coming up. They have a big trail series in December, on December 3rd. And then they end the year with a nice New Year's run at Valley River Inn. Um, So check out their website, which I'll also post the link to. If you like running, if you like to be in a group of people, just a great organization to get involved with. And then speaking of Veterans Day too, I know we're, um, we've already said uh, that this is coming up today, but the, um, there is Camp Alma, for those of you who aren't familiar. This offers housing and treatment therapies for homeless veterans. And they have an equine therapy team. They have two new draft horses, Penny and Pearl. They're their kind of latest addition there. And they are going to have an event to kind of welcome them. You can meet the horses. And on November 20th, uh, it'll start at 11 a.m. They'll have a little dedication. You can get pictures of the horses. And you can tour Camp Alma. And then they'll have some activities over there as well. There's a light lunch. And like I said, tours, and then they'll have some fundraising for coffee mugs and bags. So what a fun event and what a wonderful way to get out there and see it. And Rick, you've been there, I know. 
Yeah, and and Veterans Legacy, their their whole th thing is to bring homeless veterans out of the situations they're in, take them out to this camp, used to be a prison, and now it's a beautiful place, and get them back on their feet and back into uh, into the world, back into our lives. So it's a great yeah. organization, and it, it's it's such a fun place to be. It's a long drive, but your uh -huh. kids will have a great time. <laughs> People will really so enjoy fun. it, so they should really think about that. I love that, that they brought the two new horses in, too, as a way to kind of celebrate and see the area. So, um, yeah, such a great organization there, too. Um, wonderful. And then, yeah, so... Lots of stuff going on this weekend. We just, we just, the tip of the iceberg there. <laughs> so Kim, I have to show you something. Look. Oh, good. We have our new, we have pricing packages. I had Ooh. people calling me and saying, how can we support you? How can we support what you guys are doing? So we have a, a saleswoman, Melissa, and she's awesome. And she's going to put her information in here in just a second. But oh, um, you can now come in and we have different kinds of packages and sponsorships for people so they can come in and they can be on or they don't have to be on. It's kind of whatever they want. But God, I think Tim made these for us. Those are really nice. So we got some, we got we some got work the hair. in the world. Yes, we are. <laughs> we are because people like to hear it and we get to have a fun time talking and keeping it local. Um, so yeah, it was a homestead ranch. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. That's what it was. Yeah. All right, yeah, Kim, thank you right. so much for your help, and we'll see Thanks, you on Rick. Tuesday. We'll see you then. Okay. Have a great okay. weekend. All right. See you, girl. Bye-bye. All right. So that's Kim Stark. Uh, every Tuesday, she does uh, – here's Melissa's number in case you guys want to sponsor our show. Uh, she's out there watching right now, making sure I don't make any mistakes because she'll kick me if I do. Um, but, yeah, now we're going to switch gears just a little bit here. Well, quite a bit, actually. Um, November is uh, what called Movember, um, started a long time ago, uh, or No Shave November before that, but then Prostate Cancer Awareness took it on as Movember, and so the idea is for guys to wear a mustache, grow a mustache during the month of November, but I have these friends, and uh, they are interesting people, the fun doctors, I'm going to bring them on, there they are, <laughs> Hey guys, how are you? Excellent. We're Excellent. great. We're great. Good to see so you again. BS Free MD. They they do a podcast that you guys can go listen to, and um, they they talk about everything, all kinds of stuff and information. They're both doctors, um, so they're not they don't just play doctors on TV. Um, they're the real thing. I'd like to okay. play a doctor on TV. Can I? <laughs> I would too. Um, so they. Last week, I went on, they asked me if I'd come on their podcast and um, talk about my prostate cancer. And then they and, kind of turned the table on me and said, how about if we do that to you on your own show? And I was like, why not? So you guys are going to handle the interview and I'm going to be your guest and you're on my show. We, we always do things differently here. <laughs> I love it. And so the podcast episode actually dropped today. So oh, it's, did it? it's episode 45. It's out today. And so you're the star for the week till next Thursday because our shows drop on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, well, you will learn things about Rick. You you might not actually want to know. You never know. This episode actually <laughs> um, honestly was one of the most humbling uh, episodes we've done. It was truly moving uh, by the end of this. Uh, and you'll hear this tonight. Uh, the interesting thing about cancer awareness, uh, we did an episode a week or so ago about all the you know different screening procedures, really a, a medical, um, not medical advice, because we don't give medical advice out on a podcast. But, you know, here's here's what you do for screening every single month, except August is a certain kind of cancer awareness month. Yeah, every single month. 
So August is the only cancer free month. And so I, I think everyone grew beards. So Movember got kind of weird. Um, I've heard it called other things like no nut November, which is nothing I want to <laughs> discuss right now in polite company. Yeah, that's the testicular thing. Yeah, we don't yeah. want to do that. No, 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 that's 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 bad. Um, so as some of you may be aware, uh, Rick is a cancer survivor. Um, he was diagnosed with prostate cancer about 10 years ago. And um, this was a journey that affect, affected him in various ways. And it was outstanding to walk that road. So Rick, tell us about how you found out about this when you were, you know, a spry 50 year old man. So I, when I was in my late forties, I'm going to say 45, 46, something like that. Um, my dad had told me that he had had prostate cancer. And as it turns out, he hadn't, he had had an enlarged prostate or something, but he said that and so when I went to my routine physical every year, I used to go to have a physical and I went to my doctor and I said, oh, my dad had prostate cancer. So they started screening me, uh, just a blood test uh, for my PSA. And um, it kept it was it was OK the first year. And then they noticed it started going up. And by four years, it was up to like four, which is when they start worrying and going, eh, you need to we need to be watching this. And so at that point, the doctor told me he thought I had cancer and I totally I was just heartbroken because um, it was, uh, you know, when somebody tells you you have the C word um, and I'm not talking about COVID, I'm talking about that's, that's scary too. But cancer is that that old C word that was like just scared the hell out of me. And it took five years of biopsy. So once you have they think you have cancer, a lot of times nowadays I understand they'll watch and wait a little bit more. Um, and see how your numbers go because prostate cancer is, yeah. If, if you're the guy with it, it, it's not like this, but they tell you, everybody always says this to me too. And it just irritates the hell out of me. <laughs> oh, well, at least you got the good kind of cancer for men so that they, you know, cause it's easy to treat. Oh yeah. I got the good kind of cancer that has, um, the side effects include, um, you know, can include wetting your pants and wearing diapers for the rest of your life. And I'm um, having it, um, uh, uh, erection and difficulty. That sounds like the perfect cancer if I'm a guy that I want. And that's honestly, Tim, what scared the hell out of me. It was like, I, I was going, I'm 50 years old. I still use that and I don't want to lose that ability. So that's what kind of drove me. So I had a question actually that I didn't get to ask you in our podcast that I was thinking about that I know that the listeners um, would want to maybe clarify. So you started doing your PSA checks regularly with your doctor, right? You were doing those yearly around 45. And then huh. you said you started doing the biopsy. So when did they, wh at what point did they do a biopsy? So when I hit four, um, number four, because you're usually you're under that, you know, people mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. it, you get older, it can start rising like that. So it's really tricky. And so when I hit four, that's when he said, Rick, I, my regular doctor, my medical doctor, family doctor said, I think you might have cancer. So I went to the urology clinic um, and they scheduled me for a biopsy because they said, we want to make sure we want to see what it is. And they found nothing. So a, a year later, I go back, have the test. My numbers are up to a six. We do another biopsy, nothing. The next year they go up to eight, another biopsy, nothing. Then they start looking in other places. There's a section of your prostate they can only get through by going through your penis. And so they had to go in there, put me out, go up into there, no prostate cancer. 
So I did that five times. And the fifth time was when um, it came back and uh, and they said, you, we found it. You have prostate cancer. It is, we think, confined to your prostate, which is good because once it gets outside your prostate, you, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot harder to treat because it starts going to your bone, your back, um, other organs, and, and eventually it'll probably um, take your life because uh, they can't control at that point. So that, you know, they come to you though, and they say, you know, there's all kinds of treatments now for that. But the main treatment was at the time surgery. Uh, there's robotic surgery, there's regular surgery, and then there's radiation and there's all kinds of radiations. And I did my homework. I took six months and all, and I, I shouldn't say I, my wife did the homework because I kind of shut down. I was just um, yeah, yeah. Tell us how you were feeling. Um, I, I think, sir, I think share it's a listeners. good sign when your wife wants the erection sparing procedure. <laughs> I think that's tremendously good. It gives you a little more support, you know, like right, right. Like when she's when she's like, yeah, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. Just have the massive surgery. <laughs> you, you can get a paper clip flag. for the leaking of urine. That's not a problem. I think that's a secondary sign. Oh. Yeah, I remember. Um, yeah, you tell know, it. Every time we, every time I'd had a biopsy, um, they would call me, the nurse would, I'd call in, the nurse would call me and she'd say, Rick, everything's clear. You're fine. And then the fifth time, um, I called in and she says, Rick, the doctor's going to have to talk with you. And I looked at my wife and we both were sitting at the kitchen table and we didn't say a word, um, to each other for an hour. We just wow. both sat there cause we were just like, you know, I mean, I knew, oh shit, I have it. I mean, because she'd tell me I would she would she would just say, no, you're fine. Doesn't show up. And when the doctor called back and he said, um, yeah, you have cancer. And um, and, and then, you you know, your world just falls apart because um, it's not, you know, I did stories on people with cancer. This is so stupid, but I did stories on people with cancer my whole life. And so. In, in the back of my head, I think I kind of thought that I should have a pass because I was, I did all this, you know what I mean? And it was mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. and I don't I know that sounds really weird, but it, it is, you kind of think, no, I, this doesn't happen to me. That happens to other people. And I right. report on it. And all of a sudden it was me. What was it like? What was it like getting the diagnosis on the phone? Because I know that a lot of people will get called in so that they don't want to do that over the phone. Other times it, it's just the way it is. I mean, did you think of it that as like, well, this is a crappy way. I mean, we I, would always try to get our patients to come in in person. I yeah. Like we used, when we were testing, when H, when the HIV uh, epidemic was just starting, um, every single person that get HIV tested had a follow-up appointment. So you never had to call them up and go, oh yeah, by the way, you have this disease that's going to kill you. And it's going to really suck. And it's going to be, you know, months of, you know, before our effective treatments. And so right. did you, did you even think about that as far as the, you know, you know, I did, I, I did the thing is there's two different things here. One, I would have loved to have a follow-up because then you're sitting with someone who can sit there and look you in the eye. And, um, instead of giving you a book that says, here's all the bad things about that. I mean, there is the first thing, gentlemen, if you find out you have prostate cancer, do not go on the internet. Okay. Everything, <laughs> everything is scary and horrible and it makes it sound like, and it's almost like kind of in the medical world, they just assume, well, this is what you're going to do. And this is what's going to happen. 
well, it may be the 444th prostate cancer you've had this year in your office. But to me, this is this is the first time I've ever done this. And so I wanted to know because I, I wouldn't have wanted to wait and have them say, hey, come in tomorrow. But I like your idea. If it had been a date and they said, hey, we want you to come back. Here's your scheduled appointment. You come back in and then you find out that would have been way better because you know, and I and, and, and I'm not knocking the clinic or anything like that, but I felt really alone and like. It was really um, kind of me and my wife kind of hunkering down and going, okay, we have to figure this out. And, and what I learned out of that is as a man, women are really good at taking care of their own medical needs. I mean, you ladies, you understand because you have a lot more going on. And we just go, eh, you know, as long as it works, I'm fine. That's because we're in there every year starting at like, 20-ish getting right. screened. I mean, it's true, maybe because we're more uh, aware in that sense. It's like, you know, getting paps, et cetera. Well, but you know, plus if you ever have, you know, get pregnant and have a baby, that's a tremendous amount of healthcare crammed into a, a right. year, you know. And, and, and as guys, I think we are much more apt to go, um, oh, whatever the doctor says. And I just wasn't, you know, when I was reading the information and finding out what you know people get going through certain treatments were finding out i was going ah, that's not I, that's not I'm, I'm not calling people i mean there's there's websites that i was on that would give all the different treatments men had had and so i'd go to you know radiation i'd go to beam radiation i'd go to proton radiation i'd go to surgery i'd go to robotic surgery and i'd call these guys up and i'd say how hard does your boner get and they go, what? And I said, I need to know what you're dealing, what, what, what the outcome of your surgery was, you know? And at first they go, oh, everything's fine. And then as we kept talking, I'd keep asking more questions, like, you know, that I, cause I was learning things from people that were telling me the truth. And I started learning, wait a minute, this is not what I want to hear, you know? So I, my did wife- the, Did the urologist, so you got the news on the phone. Did they ha have you come back in to discuss sort of all the options available and had to sit down and do the odds numbers and the treatment plan? Or did you, were you just like I think on, your, on your own to like start hunting down WebMD and Google and looking it up? Well, we went right away. I don't remember. I know okay. I went in because there were questions that I also had had. And, and, and I think gentlemen need to really ask, you know, all the really scary, scary questions, you know, and, and I don't want to get really overly personal, but there's, there's, I mean, there's like questions that I, I found. So I don't remember going right back, but it was like, they gave me a book. I remember I went in and got a book, but it didn't help because it was just like, you know, it was just like all the bad stuff I'd seen online. And um, when we started really going outside the box and then we found OHSU and they were amazing because they're, they're all there. I walked into the guy's office. He says, what do you want to do? I said, I, you know, I, I want to live, but just as important as I'd like to be able to have my erections, <laughs> you know, and to which my doctor had said, Rick, are you really that shallow? And I go, yeah, I really am. <laughs> you know? but, but it was, in, I'm 50 years old at the time. It's not like I'm a 70 year old guy or 80 year right. old, you know? And so I, my, but my wife just did, you know, we did this research, we found this, um, you know, proton, it was not, not proton. It was a, a calypso radiation where they put little beacons in my prostate and then they would put a computer over top of me. And then if that, um, if those, because for people that don't know, so you have a prostate and then around it, you have all these nerves and those nerves are what allow you to get an erection. And so in the old days, they used to go in and just take everything out. 
So everything comes out, you know, nothing goes up. And so what they do now is they go in and they try to preserve those nerves and guys can, you know, get some of that back and some do and some don't. It's just kind of like with everything. Um, and so I was looking into the radiation and this, the doctor says, we're having really good results with this. And so my wife and I finally went home and went, oh my God, um, I think we found something that's going to work for us. And um, how long you know, did that take you from the diagnosis until when you uh, were up at OHSU and said, yes, this is what I want to do? About, like a couple months? About, oh, let me think. I found out on... <clears throat> at the end of January, it was like the 30th. <laughs> Funny how you remember those days. And I think my treatment was May. Oh. So we took our time because yeah. they said yours is a slow, that the, the good the good reason to go and get this checked and the, the, the good things that my dad, but since he was delirious, I guess, <laughs> and came up with the prostate cancer, he did probably save my life because, or at least, that part of my life because they had a record of what mine was doing. So mine was getting real high, but mm -hmm. they also knew that that was normal for me, that it was getting higher, but it was staying, you know, two and then another two and then another two and then another two. If mine had gone two to eight, they probably would have rushed me in and got that thing out of there. So I had a, I had a map that the doctors could look at and say, okay, Rick is doing this. Um, it, it, we're, he, he, you're okay. You're not going to just, you know, and I think a lot of guys get freaked out because they think, Oh, I've got cancer growing me. I just want it out of there. Well, I, you, you know, and I understand that, but you have to think bigger than that because right. everything like what we don't understand in our culture today is for every action, there's a reaction. I mean, our politicians don't understand this. Our, our medical people don't seem to understand this, but something you're going to, it's like a domino. So I had to look at it and say, okay, what am I most comfortable with? And if a cancer is growing slowly in my body, it's just ripping it out and thinking that this is going to kill me. Um, going to take away my sex life for the rest of my days. And you have to balance that out. And I think as guys, I think we're kind of not good at that. I think we're really good at listening to people just say, do this. And then we go do it rather than, and I question everything which is what gets me into trouble, but it also has saved um, my life. And I'm fortunate because my wife, here's the deal. When you get prostate cancer, your whole family gets prostate cancer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was my, my wife, my two sons, um, they had to go through it with me and it was a family thing, even though I did it myself. Um, you know, they, they're part of that whole process. And, um, and, and tell us how long you're, uh, so how long were the treatments that you went through and what were the biggest things that stick out, you know, side effects or something positive, you know, when you're going up there? So I, um, I had to live up at, we had a house at the mountain at the time and I had to live at Mount Hood and then I'd go in and it was 40 days and you had weekends off. So you do Monday through Friday, get zapped. Um, you know, and it's a matter of going in, you take off your clothes, you keep your underwear on. It's got for that one time I didn't. And <laughs> yes, we won't tell. You that's, have to listen to our podcast yes, to hear about that. Podcast. That's well, podcast find, material. Yes, you find the naked Rick, the dancer, the dancer in me. Um, and and um, so then and then they zap you and you don't feel anything, um, you know, and, and then um, for me, some guys get tired. 
Um, some people have some response like that. Some people got, I, I remember having, it wasn't, I wouldn't call it diarrhea. It was more like a loose stool. It wasn't mm-hmm. gas. It was That's just common. Yeah. For a couple of days maybe. And that was it. And then, um, I also had to, um, like it would make me have to pee more. Um, and you know, get, uh, there was one time and I'll tell this one story. The time I had, <laughs> I was like in the middle of my treatment and I'm driving down the band field in Portland to get to OHSU. And it's like, I'm in the middle of a band field. There's nowhere to pull over and I have to pee so bad. I'm just dying. I mean, I am like, I mean, it just came on. And so I had this, fortunately an iced tea with a little bit larger, you know, hole at the top. And I just, I'm looking at it and going, and it was full. So I just open it up. I drink it. And then, which makes me have to pee even more. And then I just pulled out, got it out and stuck it there. And I'm driving down the band field, peeing in this bottle. And then I get like a mile from the hospital and I have to pull over because I got to go again. You so shouldn't I have drank it. the iced tea. You I, have it it. I just poured it on the street. I, I polluted. But, you know, now the streets of Portland are full of pee and poop anyway, so it doesn't matter. I poured it down there, peed again, and then I got to the nurse and she says, Rick, we can give you a urinal. And then they did. And I kept it in my trunk, but I never had to use it again. But that was like one of the... Um, that, that was one of the funny things. And I'll tell you, you know, I, and, 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 um, you know what I, the last day of my treatment, my, well, my doctor was super smart. He kind of figured me out and he said, you know, Rick, I'm going to zap you every day and I'm going to kill the bad cells, but I'm also going to damage some good cells. So your job is to go down to the OHSU gym and work out and put blood back into those good cells and restore them. And it just, whether that's true or not, it doesn't matter. It's stuck in my head as this is my part. This is what I can do. These people are taking care of me. They're trying, they're fighting. These are my warriors right now. And I can't just, I have, I have something to do too. And the hardest thing for me was when the last day came and then you have to go live. And it was like, I want to fight. I can't do anything now. What do I do? What do I, how do I, you know, and you feel helpless. It's your, it's, just, it's like you're used to that little comfort sort of routine. This is, this right. is my people. They're there. And it's like, okay, now I'm on to the next phase, right? It's like, yeah, now, what graduated. does this look like? I, well, it's like I graduated, but I still, I still want to do something. So then I finally kind of figured out that what I do is I continue to work out really hard for the rest of my life. And I watch what I eat and I'm careful what I put in my body because either the environment my, I, I never had it in my family history. So that wasn't now I do, but I never did. So something in my, with my body, with, with the way the, the environment is or something I was eating, maybe those, I, I have to think that something happened, they meshed and that's what caused that to kick in. So I, I'm going to shake that up, you know? And I think that's what, you know, so when people came to me and were really irritated because I wasn't all afraid of COVID, um, you know, do I think COVID serious? Yes, I do. And do I know people who've died with it? Yes. And I know some who've died from it or of it. But I also know that um, the better, the, the best defense I have against this is to be healthy, to not be obese, to not have diabetes, which is in my family, but I don't have it, to have my blood pressure right where it's supposed to be and everything in that is in good shape and all that. That's my best defense and no one's telling me that. So when when I said, and I said, God, 
you know, I'm sorry, I had cancer and I fought it. And so I think I'm going to be able to do this. And I think a lot of people just don't understand that when you've been through traumatic, a traumatic thing like that, that um, you get balls of steel because you have to, you know, and so I'm not afraid of, of, um, you know, I, I don't I th know. I think, I think what happens, at least from what I know from my own personal experiences and from patients is that it's perspective. You know, when you go through right. something like that, um, it's like perspective on, you know, where you've been and what you can get through and doing the things that you can and letting go of the things you can't control. Um, right. And, I mean, and you know, yeah, like th that was the one part of the narrative in COVID that was completely lost, yeah. which was, you know, it was, I don't want to be too crude, but it was kind of like, well, it's the old fat person disease. That's who died. Right. Especially initially in the first wave, you know, the alpha wave. And, yeah. and, but yet there was never anything about, Hey, take care of yourself, get fit. Right. Eat right. Like this is a wonderful opportunity to change your life, to see this massive plague and go, okay, what am I going to do different? Because I don't want to ever have to go through that again. I want to have less fear in my life because I'm, I'm out exercising every day. I'm going to the gym, I'm running, I'm going for walks. I'm, you know, like whatever, whatever it can be, like we, there's all stuff that every single one of us can do to optimize our health. And it's f essentially free. Um, and but, you know, that's part of the problem with our system, which is, you know, once the vaccines were out, there was massive amounts of, you know, money made off of this. And so then it was just vaccine and nothing else, you know, right. and and that, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it really was kind of follow them. You know, now they're talking about therapeutics because there's two potential, you know, $700 each per course of either the, the Merck or the Pfizer therapeutic. And so yet we had older therapeutics that actually showed pretty good evidence, but of course they were essentially free. So see, I think what, what this all has, you know, taught me like through this, um, this journey is that I am in control of my health. Um, to a, to a degree, there are things that are going to happen. I have heart disease in my family. And so far my doctor says, either you take after your mom who had a heart, like a stone. I mean, she was like, not, she was a warm person, but I mean, she was tough, you know, and she was 350 pounds and died at 83. And she, you know, she, that heart was working really hard. Um, or, um, or that my wife and I, when I saw my dad having a quadruple bypass for the second time, or that was the first time because uh, he had two of them. But the first time I saw his chest cut open and I said, I am not going to be that guy. And we started working out. I remember I smoked cigarettes at the time. I threw the cigarettes away and I started working out and doing stuff. And so, yes, I can still get cancer again. And yes, I will, you know, I'm still going to die. And yes, things can happen to me, but we have so much more say and power over our lives and by, by making right choices and, 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 and digging into stuff, God research, you know, find, I went to, when I went to OHSU, I was so excited because I found that at the time it was the newest thing out there. And I had people actually writing me going, oh God, Rick, can't you just do something normal? You always have to take a risk. And I'm like, yeah, because, because I saw the risk was the, the detriment was going to outweigh the risk completely. And I thought, what's going to happen? You know, and I think why we don't take risk and why we don't do that is because we're afraid we're going to be wrong. So what? What well, right. right. And, and we've said this right. numerous times on the podcast, which is, 
You know, anybody that speaks with absolute certainty during an emerging pandemic, you know, is is agenda driven and not science driven because right. you can't know. Like, we don't know what the end game is. We don't know if there's going to be some super mega variant that comes out six months from now. We don't know if, you know, the new therapeutics are going to work great and everything will be 100 percent back to normal and the hospitals will be emptied, you know, four months from now. Like, you don't know because it is an emerging pandemic. So every time somebody comes out with like absolute certainty, it just, it drives me crazy. Like we look at- And I think it's not even just that the pandemic, but life in general is full of risks. And it's what, you know, driving right. your car I mean, down the road is like one of the biggest risks, right. like but when people you get, don't think about it. And so- um, Yeah, right. Like when you get financial advice, what's the first thing they say? This is a risk. Well, of course it's right. a risk. That's how you make money, by putting your money at risk. Yeah. And this yeah. whole concept of safety- Right. Has it's driven me insane. Life is not safe. Life is inherently unsafe. Somebody said to me today, and I wrote it down here, um, to know a limit as a limit is to live beyond your limit. You have to think about it. But I don't have limits in my life. And when, when I quit KEZI in 2008, my wife and I looked at each other and we said, you know, we're going to do this and go run for office. And we don't, the people, the reporters would always say, what's your plan B? And I said, I don't have one. They go, what do you mean? I said, if I have a plan B, then I'm not serious about plan A. I'm going to do plan A. If it fails, then I'll come up with plan A again. And, and I have failed more times in the last 12 years uh, than I ever did in the, in the previous 30 some. Um, because I figured out that life is about risk. It's about living. There's too many people, a little, a coolest name guy named Richard Gorsuch. Um, when I was a reporter, I went to the Cannon Beach and did a story on this guy. He was a former marketing guy out of Eugene. He moved to Cannon Beach. But years before that, a friend of his came up to him and said, you know, Richard, all you do is work. You need to go have, he gave him a, bar, a jar of marbles. He said, you need to go find something that makes you come alive and come alive. So Richard started painting. So when I caught up with him, he had painted Haystack Rock at Cannon Beach every single day for 365 days. He'd take a little piece of cardboard out there, go out to the same place and paint what the world looked like, how the light shone off the rock, what it was. Sometimes it had sand all over him because there was a storm. He did it every single day and he had no reason to do it, except he felt like he was supposed to do it. When we did this story, he told me, you know, Rick, I think this might have something to do with when I was a kid, I was five, we came to this beach and a piece of the rock, a cannon rock, that or the, the big rock at Cannon Beach hit him on the head. And he said, I think I'm doing this to kind of figure out what my life is. I'm just taking this risk. So he buried the jar of marbles and he said, I don't need these anymore because I understand how to take a risk. And he looked at me and that's when he says, Rick Dancer, go find the thing that makes you come alive and do it. Go find the thing that makes you dance and dance. Go find the thing that makes you sing and sing. There are so many people in this world walking around dead. They have no life. They are just existing until they go. And I am not going to live my life that way. And I'm going to continue to take challenges. And, and to me, cancer was a gift. It didn't seem like it at the time. And it, it was a horrible thing because it scared the hell out of me. But you know what? I'm not afraid of anything anymore. 
Well, there's I that. Mean, there's that. For a lot of people, it's the the safety with the known, and it's the fear of the unknown. And you can't grow without taking that leap, that jump off the cliff into the unknown, into that adventure. Right. And it's always driven me crazy because people are like, "Well, you know, you got to think outside of the box or whatever." Well, outside the box is always uncomfortable. Change right. is always uncomfortable, hundred percent of the time. It doesn't matter if it's a small change. It doesn't like when you look at the life life change scale. The worst thing that can happen to you, as far as sort of a psychological trauma is the death of a child. Okay. That's like 100, right? But change in income is 50. And it doesn't matter if it's increased income or decreased income. It's just change in income. So some things that we perceive that are really good are, but because they're a change, it's still difficult. It's still hard. And so if you know life is going to be difficult anyways, you might as well take the risk and have some fun and figure out what you're really meant to do rather than, you know, just kind of sit there and be miserable for sure. You know, like, like you never get, you're never guaranteed success. You can be guaranteed failure, right? If you, if you sit around and you eat Cheetos all day and you crush two six packs, you're guaranteed to have poor health. If you go to the gym and you work out and you have a BMI of 18, there's no guarantee you will never have a heart attack. So you can guarantee failure, but you can't guarantee success. But boy, oh boy, you can do a lot of things to make your chances of success orders of magnitude higher. Well, don't you and, think like I, I was saying this today, like I was asking people about, um, you know, what's the next thing? What's the next step and everything like that? And I feel like maybe we're learning through this experience and I won't say too much because I don't want YouTube to shut me down. But maybe we're learning through this experience um, that we have to. Um, kind of go against culture a little bit, not against, I don't mean against COVID and all that. I just mean going against the grain, maybe not paying attention to the media as much, maybe getting our information ourselves, maybe looking into our health ourselves, maybe not just going to the doctor and going, okay, doctor, I will do what you tell me to do. Instead, use them as a resource, but also do your own homework because, you know, if, if, you know, I mean, I kind of feel like if, if I'm this guy, that, that, you know, God created and he put me here and, and he says, okay, so, um, like Rick, what do you, what do you want to do? I don't know. What, what am I supposed to do? Live? What do you mean? Well, I see that breath you just took. I gave that to you and see your heart. It's be there. Go, see, it goes again and again. I'm, I'm doing that, Rick. So, as long as I keep you here, what, what do you want to do? I have things in my plan, but I want, I want to see what you create. I'm a creator. You're a creative guy. I want to see what you create. So go live. And all these people that are going, I wonder what my ministry is. You know, what is my goal in life? And it's like, first start by living and taking care of the, this amazing machine that God put you in and then go do it and go, go, Go live and do something. And I think one of the things that this reaction to the pandemic has done is taken that life away from people, that ability to choose, that ability to feel like they have power over that. And we do. We do have. And I'm not saying to go rebel and do all this. I'm saying in your own heart to go. A, a guy wrote me today and he says, what my family's done is we are no longer uh, we were homeschooling our kids. We're doing this. We're doing this. We've taken control of our family and we're hanging out with people that understand what we believe. And, and, and maybe that's what it is, is being more selective about how we live our lives and stuff. And, and cancer, I think I got the advantage 
um, with cancer because I learned that through that process. And so with the COVID thing, it's just been more irritating than anything. It's because it kind of like, it's like, okay, I've done this. I, I don't, <laughs> I, I understand the fear. I understand that kind of stuff, but I've already done this. And, um, you know, the, the, the moral of the story is um, we have so much more to about living and, and I think we have to work a lot harder at it, but maybe that's not a bad thing, you know, to no, try. I, it's interesting because there's a, it re reminds me of the book Wild at Heart, which is about 20 years old, who was Eldridge yeah. or whatever. And he says, don't, don't try to do something for God. Do what makes you come alive because we need a lot more alive people. Yeah. I mean, God doesn't need anybody doing anything for him, but he really does need a lot more alive people. And that really hit me. I mean, I remember that, like, obviously, since I read it. And it's just it's really it's really true. And, and you know, we, like we talked about in the podcast, maybe build back better is really about building back in our hearts and our minds. Yeah. And 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 just, you know, no, no socialist, no, no totalitarian government's going to take over society that ha that that ha has an independent risk streak in our hearts and minds. I mean that that's that's that is the ultimate vaccine against totalitarianism. Right. And I think maybe that's what we uh get out of these um out of this whole situation is uh you know um you guys I mean don't God, don't let them take your life from you like don't let them take your joy. Um a, a no, I mean, you're not, I mean, you're not living in fear in the back of your head. You're not thinking, oh, the cancer could come back. I I can, what am I going to do? <laughs> I'm afraid I would sell my house and go to Montana where I can really hide out. No, I'm going to still be doing this. But it's like, you know, I mean, I said, I, I think a friend of mine told me one time, never let people rob you of your peace. And you got to think about that. So it doesn't mean you don't do hard things because you 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 give away your you know a little bit of peace. If you're going to move, you're going to some of your peace is going to go away a little bit. But never let people rob you of your peace. So so I don't let people impact me or affect me as much as I used to because I understand who I am. And maybe that's the whole lesson in some of this too for me is you know cancer taught me. Um, you know, prostate cancer taught me I'm not just a male organ. Um, you know, I'm not just a, a, a sperm donor. Um, right. you know, my, my eyes are up here, gals. My eyes yeah. are up here. <laughs> and I am, uh, you know, I, and, and I'm stronger than I ever was. I ever thought I was, you know, like I'm, I'm, um, and I just don't, you know, sometimes when people are saying things like they think I should, I should be so in, in, for, and I should be really upset about it. And I'm thinking, okay, let's see, let's put this on the scale of importance. I survived cancer and you don't like me. You give some fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I just, I'm sorry. That doesn't, uh, yeah, that didn't like, make, that didn't make get, the get in line behind the cancer. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, which is amazing because we have this whole unreality of, of, you know, young women killing themselves because they can't, they, you know, they can't measure up to a fake world on Instagram. Right. And, 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 you know, now, now, uh, you know, Zuckerberg is creating an entire universe in his image, yeah. you know? So like the meta or whatever the heck it is. What? It's, oh yeah. No, no. You go live in, no, you, you go live and interact in a fake world in an entirely manufactured like virtual world. Virtual goggles. Gaming now, 
Okay, you guys, so I don't have to cut this back to put it on Instagram. I have to keep it under an hour. So really quickly, tell people how they find you so I can get, um, so I can not have to do that fast. Ah, we are on um, our Instagram. Uh, so we have Instagram as well as Facebook. We're doing a Facebook Live tonight at 630. But our podcast is on wherever you get your favorite podcasts, Apple, um, Google, as well as Spotify, BS Free MD. And uh, email doc at bsfreemd.com. We love questions. We do not answer specific medical questions, but uh, general stuff, uh, show ideas, we're totally down for that. All right. You guys, thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you for interviewing me. That's kind of fun to have somebody else take on the challenge. It was so fun. You bet. Episode right. 45. 45. <laughs> if you want All more right. Rick Dancer dirt. All right. See you guys later. <laughs> you bet. See you later. All right, you guys, we want to thank our sponsors, Chris Dennell, uh, Family Dentistry, and also Albert Taylor. Um, again, BS Free MD. Uh, you'll love them. You'll have a great time watching them and listening to them. Um, it's a great place to just get some other kinds of information. Um, and thank you for listening to what we had to talk about tonight. Um, have a great weekend. Uh, I got to get out of here because I'm going to I'm going to hit my deadline, and I hate having to edit something out. It means more work for Ricky, and he doesn't like that. Have a good night and share this on your page so other people can be encouraged. All right. See you later. Bye, guys.